I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and Av, have you smoked any tall grass? And I'm Av Sedansky, and I'm not used to giving people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm Todd Stashwick, and Larry David told me to fuck myself. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 7, Episode 3, The Reunion, which originally aired on October 4th, 2009. And I think at the time might have been the most anticipated episode of the show. It was on the cover of magazines. It was talked about, you know, all season long coming into the season. And then uh, they sort of teased us along for the first two episodes. But in season three, we got a whole bunch of guest stars, and we're very excited that one of them, as you just heard, is with us today, Todd Stashwick. Todd, welcome to the podcast. And I guess my first question is, this is an episode which, again, uh, you know, you have Jerry Seinfeld and Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Jason Alexander, Michael Richards, but your character is really sort of the dominant character in this episode. And like, you know, as this as this was filming, and I guess, you, you know, you get cast on the episode, you know, what was your sort of reaction to like, holy shit, like, I'm like the protagonist in this episode here. It was... It was nuts. They didn't, uh, like when I went for the audition, um, they bring you in and uh, they didn't tell you anything. Uh, and so, uh, when, uh, but I had known Jeff Garland since my Second City days. And Jeff and I were friends. So it was a really warm room that I walked into. And it was, it was Jeff and, and I believe it was Larry. And I think Larry Charles, who was directing the episode uh and so they didn't tell me they just were like oh you're you're auditioning to play uh, a television executive i'm like okay and then i was not given any any like specifics about it being this until after i booked it and then after i booked it there was like oh and by the way you're doing the seinfeld episode and, and that's when i <laughs> lost my mind yeah yeah and again, it's not just that you're doing that episode, but, you know, you're sort of the driver in this episode. I'm the guy. Yeah. I pulled it together. I'm the guy who, it was his idea to, like, I was I was the voice of the audience in, in many ways. I was like, like, everybody's asking, when's there going to be a Seinfeld reunion? And so so it, uh, it was fun to put voice to the thing that everybody was thinking and talking about and, uh, and, and then, and then play that guy. Uh. And then and we shot sequentially too, so pretty much. And so I also had that like it's building up, it's building up. We're gonna get there. We're gonna go to the set. It's gonna we're gonna we're gonna see the set. It, it, so it was really, uh, it was it, it, yeah. I mean, it was it, it, you know I was a, I was a, I was a young man in my in the nineties. So Seinfeld was a cornerstone uh, of 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 our comedy education uh, at the time, and so it was one of those. It's the closest thing you're ever really going to get to a reboot of Seinfeld, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's definitely what uh, what the season is kind of trying to be that without, you know, without the downside of trying to be that. They're like, well, this is like a hypothetical reunion. So, like, if it doesn't go well, you know, this is just a Yeah, it's make-believe. It's not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if, it, but if we, you know, if we hit a home run, you know, great. We pulled it off. Awesome Seinfeld mm-hmm. reunion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also the, the character of an uh, in, in NBC executive – <laughs> sort of greenlighting Seinfeld. You know, Bob Balaban plays that in season four of Seinfeld itself. 
So you're yeah. also almost like sort of doing like a, a second take on that character in a way. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. one that I guess uh, is a little uh, less obsessed with uh, Elaine's cleavage, but um... a lot, a lot, yeah, yeah. a lot less. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was, uh, it, it, you know, they, they give you so so little uh, information. They give you just enough that sort of the top and tails of the scene, and and and, and then uh, you improvise. And then Larry, uh, Larry kind of directed it from the inside. So he like you'd be saying something and they're just shooting and rolling and you're saying something and, and I don't have a lot of lead of information. Oh, this is sort of the gist of what's going to happen in the scene. This is the information we got to get out. And so then you just kind of go and you improvise. And then he's like, oh, that's good. Yeah, say that again. And But because it's Larry in the scene with you, you're the, the line between when you think he's when he's done playing the character and then now he's actually... It's sort of meta. So now he's talking about the shooting of the scene and then he's talking about then he's actually in the scene. So then you, you, you kinda of have to stay with him as he's as you're adjusting. Oh, go back and say that again. Okay, great. And then and there was one point where I'm like uh I'm like, I don't know. He goes, Yes you do. I go, Oh no, I I, I don't know. And he goes, No, you do. No, and then he goes, No, your character does know that, so let's go back <laughs> and do that again and you do know that piece of information. Oh, okay, great, 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 great. Yeah. So it's it, it's a it's a very um, seat of your pants way to shoot. Yep. Um, so let's we'll jump into the episode in a second. I, I just want to ask you one question. Um, I recently did a podcast uh, where we made a bracket to determine the best ever television uh, television show theme song, and a number of listeners got really mad at me for not having included the Kim Possible theme song. And I noticed that <laughs> you were in the movie version of Kim Possible, and you also guessed it on like you know seemingly every TV show of the last couple decades. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your favorite TV okay. theme song from any show that you've been on? Oh, any show I've been on? Sure. Oh. Uh, or any or any show in general, I guess you could say. Well, first, uh, I'd say any show I've been on, uh, it might be Buffy. That's a great theme song. Mm, yeah. Uh, just the, the, those those sort of those sort of surf guitars uh, of Buffy. The, those those are some good. Those are some good themes. Um, of any of show of all time, look, I'm a kid of the '70s and '80s, so there's a lot of great ones to choose from. Yeah, whether that was the golden era. For it's, sure. it's Taxi or Mash or Cheers or Greatest American Hero or Welcome Back, Cotter. Like, there was, theme songs were an art form back then. Uh, yeah. Soap, like there was some great theme songs, Seinfeld included. But uh, I mean, yeah. there was just there was just this uh, dun, dun, dun. there was just this uh, this glut of uh, great theme songs in the seventies and eighties. Um, yeah, I'm watching Cheers yeah, so now it, for like the first yeah. time straight through, and the theme song is my favorite part of each episode. It's like the only the, it's the so only good. show where I would watch the whole thing. And it's like we yeah. look forward to the theme song. It's like all right, I guess we yeah. have twenty years yeah. now. Yeah, it's it's it it it's really good. It's just really good. Yeah, and um, the imagery they have going along with it. It's just so nice. Stands alone, and that's the thing is, is a lot of those songs would just get uh, radio time, and you would hear the verses that they would leave out, uh, and you would uh, on the radio you'd hear the whole song. So I could sing the entire, the entire theme song to Cheers right now, but you guys don't have the license. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask yeah. you another question. Actually, beyond just the theme song, Rolling Stone just came out with the ranking of the top hundred sitcoms of all time. I think uh, today yeah. or yesterday or something. Wow. What's What's your favorite show that you guessed it on? Not the theme song, but a show like as a show. Favorite Favorite show as a guest star. It's not a situation comedy. I think it might have been uh, Supernatural. 
because uh, I got to play Bella Lugosi's Dracula mm-hmm. on that in a black and white episode. And so the job itself was one of the most fun jobs I've ever had, wearing a big cape and having my hair slicked back. And I got to ride a scooter. But it, I, I also had to mimic... Uh, Bella Lugosi's performance. So that was one of my favorite uh, job jobs. I, I had a blast. I mean, I've gotten to be on a lot of sitcoms. So working on Dharma and Greg and working on Will and Grace uh, were fun. But Curb, obviously, uh, if I can help you segue back to uh, the topic at hand, was one of uh, one of the highlights, obviously, because it was just so special sure. and rare of an yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I do have one kind of curb related question before we dive into the episode and that is um big fans of curb enthusiasm and uh fans of this podcast will remember all the way back in season three episode one we have a kind of like wizard of oz themed episode of curb where ted danson throws a birthday party for his kid and larry david has a specific demand to uh perform as you know one of the uh costumed entertainers at the dance and birthday party and todd i don't know if you if you recall or are aware that his the the only role that he's interested in playing is that of the cowardly lion because he <laughs> claims that he does the best cowardly lion so this is my uh long-winded way of asking you has larry david ever challenged you to a best cowardly lion voice <laughs> to, to a to a burt lar off right. um I, I you know what uh that uh that rumble in the jungle has yet to occur, so okay. uh, it, yeah. it, it looms. It looms in my future. I'm sure now. Now that yeah. the gauntlet is thrown and you've put it into the ether, I'm sure it's gonna. It's gonna come to uh, a Bert Lar off. Yeah, to, f- to fill in the viewers, um, or sorry, the listeners. Uh, Todd was the uh, the voice of the Cowardly Lion in both Tom and Jerry and the Wizard of Oz, and Tom and Jerry back to Oz. Back to Oz, because like there were so many unanswered questions. Yeah, yeah, y- yeah. We had to That's Oz's favorite movie we had to ever. Go back. So well. The well, Wizard of Oz or Tom and Jerry back to Wizard of Oz? Well, The Wizard of Oz is one of my favorite movies ever. Return to Oz, on which the Tom and Jerry back with, to Oz is kind of loosely based with, uh, with right, Jason Alexander as the Gnome King. So another tie into this episode. With Balk? I think this, I think this episode and that movie are the only um, you know, pieces of pop culture in which you and Jason Alexander have appeared together. Not true. Not true. Okay. Jason Jason directed me on an episode of Franklin and Bash. Oh wow. Oh there you go. Nice. So so we had so so we've worked together on set on screen together on Curb, on set together on Franklin and Bash. So uh, I got to uh, right. I got to be direct I got to be directed by him as well. Yeah. Very cool. uh, we should we should yeah. make at the end of the series of this podcast like a, a pretty, pretty, pretty good uh, trivia game, maybe for listeners. Oh, that's pretty good. Because I think, remember, like like last week, Wayne Fetterman kept dropping, uh, he would actually preface them by saying, I got a good piece of trivia for you. <laughs> he did that yeah. like four or five times, and I think that's another good one we just got from Todd. Yeah, the main, the main takeaway, what I heard from that whole exchange was, um, after this podcast is over, Todd is going to reach out to Larry and arrange for this uh, Cowardly Line competition, which will be hosted on this podcast. Ah, yes. Well, he won't stop calling about it. <laughs> so yes. finally, I can have an answer for it. All right, great. All right, right. so on that note, yeah, let's jump right into the episode here. Okay. So 
we are at the green home, and uh, Jeff and Larry are basically doing a nice little episode of Pretty 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 Good in the in Jeff's house, like basically recapping the end of. Uh, Season seven, episode two, uh, episode two uh, you know, saying how, you know, Loretta was cursing him out and drove off because she thought he was cheating and even got the finger from Rant- from Auntie Ray one last time. Um, but, you know, Leon's still in the house, so he's not quite living alone just yet. Um, Jeff pivots over to the business side of things and talks about how NBC just keeps hounding him about doing a Seinfeld reunion. You know, they keep calling. They won't stop. Larry's not interested. You know, those reunion shows, they're so lame. They never work. The actors are 10 years older. It doesn't look right, you know. And, you know, Jerry would never do it. Um, and Jeff's like, you know what? You're probably right. It's not a good idea. But, like, come to the meeting. Tell them no. And that way I could at least say, look. He said, no, what do you want from me? And then, you know, maybe they'll come back with something that you're more interested in and we can, you know, move forward. And Larry's like, eh, eh, yeah, okay, you're right. Um, so Susie comes in and she feels like crap um, because, you know, she, she's going to the doctors and they think it's in her head, which is ridiculous. And everyone agrees. Larry uh, says that she has very good disposition. Jeff says she's a picture of happiness. <laughs> and uh, Larry's like, I wonder, have you been in any tall grass lately? Uh, because, you know, a friend of mine recently had a similar situation and it turned out that he had Lyme disease. And Susie's like, well, actually, now that you mentioned it, I did go into dunes when I was out in the Hamptons on Fire Island. Uh, not, not the Hamptons, Fire Island. And uh, they're like, but like, how do you know this stuff? And he's like, well, you know, hypochondriac, I know this stuff. So Larry's checking in for his meeting at NBC and he bumps into Cheryl, who he turns out is there for an audition. And, you know, they schmooze a little. Uh, he talks about how, you know, we have the Seinfeld reunion that we might be doing, but like, and I'm not really going to do it. So like, it's not really going to happen. And she's like, oh, you know, you really should because people love reunions. You know, everyone just wants to see the cast back together, see what they're up to, see how everyone looks. Alex, I feel like you have a little bit of a uh, Cheryl villain take here, how she, you know, she, uh, she basically insists, well, you know, you also you'll cast me in it. And like, she like remind she'll insist several times like you know and i'm not kidding like i really want you to cast me in this yeah no i mean i she's i don't know if i jared jerome might, might write in with a letter yelling at her as he has wont to do yeah, i got no problem with cheryl but yeah she's doing what she should do here if, yeah, if she'll yeah, she, if she'll use his access to get like a table at a restaurant as we saw last episode i'm sure right. she'll try and use it to uh you know star on a on a on a major episode of, of television yeah, she has very little shame for somebody where it's like she like outright left him and he's like been made it clear that he would love to get back together with her. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, I have no problem with what Cheryl's doing here. Got to right, do what you can to get ahead in Hollywood. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah. So, you know, she's been doing Pilates, learning Japanese, and she's actually into the Lakers now. Now that she's no longer married to Larry David, she mm. became a big Lakers fan. She's actually going to the game Thursday night. And Larry says, actually, you know, I was thinking of going with Jeff as well. So, you know, maybe we'll bump into each other and maybe they will. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're uh, we're going to head to the next scene and we're just going to play a little clip of that. Um, so, you know, listen, watch along and then we'll uh, we'll break it down. All right, let's get this bullshit over with. Okay. Larry, I'm going to ask you the same question that every affiliate asks me every day of my job is when are we going to get a Seinfeld reunion? Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Uh, I don't know. Well, the window <laughs> is wide open. Really engaged right there, now. Larry. <laughs> now, listening to you mm-hmm. has me excited. <laughs> it's because I'm excited. Uh, I think that. Uh, Odd making the heart sell. Whatever you want to do. What are you thinking? Do you want to do an hour? Do you want to do a yeah. half hour? We don't care. It's the finest commodity NBC. We can have a little uh, dream sequence for Larry now in the Seinfeld apartment. Like what did that take? 
Really? Because I can try it a different way if you want me to. I can. No. Don't change. What, what scene were they filming that she would be wearing that dress? I wonder. <laughs> there we go. Got a couple little things. Oh, what a moment! Uh, I love Michael. that moment with the, with the camera yeah. like pants out. Slide. It's working. Well, it's making me a bit dizzy, but I'll do anything for you, Larry. Julia, so this is the first the time that they show them all together, right? Yeah. yeah. Your idea. Completely. Very exciting works. moment. Glasses. <laughs> You're killing me. I can't do it as good as you, but I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> and that new line, the kumquat and the Yeah, this is probably how it'll go. You're amazing. Yeah. You're really unbelievable, Larry. I was actually standing off to the side because they spliced that in after they shot that because they had them all on the set that day. You're gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And I have a pretty good idea for George, too. He's already writing. In the 11 years since the show's been off the air, he's gotten married and divorced, and and now he's gonna try and get his wife back. Funny. Yeah. Okay. I know it's not a great idea, but I can. No, I think it's a great idea. I love this. What about Jerry? I'll talk to Jerry, and I'll and I'll talk to the cast. Great. Great. Awesome. We need to celebrate. We do. You like basketball? Of course. Yeah, of course. Love basketball. Yeah. Well, you want to go to a Lakers game? We were going to try and go Thursday night. Yeah, we're going to get scalpers tickets. No Thursday. need. Don't no need. That. We will hook you up. Yes. No kidding. I will hook you up. Don't you wow. even worry about that. You wow. should have brought this idea up a long time ago. <laughs> if he had known that he could go to a Lakers game, then, you know, yeah. he would have been all right. How else could Larry David get access to it? Like, yeah. Although, I got to say, bad job by Sandy, uh, by the NBC executive there, not knowing if LD likes basketball. Like, you know, that Larry David is known for, uh, for liking basketball, and, and frankly, in the world of Curb, he once famously uh, tripped Shaq while sitting courtside at a Lakers game. So you know, it's, it's yeah. called baiting the hook. I yes, knew, I <laughs> but you throw it out there casually, yeah, so that that they go, oh, that seems like a good yeah. idea. Also, if you're offering third deck tickets, maybe you're hoping he says no, but <laughs> we'll find out about yeah, that. He, he didn't know at the time, yeah. Yeah, so you were saying so so while they so while they filmed the dream sequence, you get to watch that. And again, as a Seinfeld fan, that must have been just like a surreal thing to watch. It was ridiculous because I mean, obviously then we get later and and then you get to the table read and everything. There was just that day that you and, and I live, you know, they went back to the CBS Radford lot uh, where they shot it originally and they rebuilt the diner and they rebuilt uh, and they rebuilt the apartment. And it was, uh, it was, it was, it was so meta because there was a, a table read for a fake episode, right. but all the sets were all there and the cast was all there. Uh, and so we shot the scene from the table seat, table read, and then we shot, uh, that scene. And then there's another scene where I'm like, go get him. Where like, I'm, I'm sort of leading him into the dream sequence. I'm off to the side. Uh, go do what you're supposed to do or meant to do. Um, and so they, they they block shot all that stuff because they had them all there on the same on the same day. And so I got to watch the Seinfeld cast walk onto the apartment set for the first time since that since they stopped shooting uh, the series. And so watching them take it all in was far more emotional for them than it, than it would be for me but I was got to be the guy to watch them do that so it was it was ridiculously special yeah yeah it's also like there's just like an extra layer of meta irony this is probably the only episode of Curb where there was like a concept of a table read you know this is a show that's like largely improvised so it's like the concept <laughs> yes. of like oh we're doing a table read at the Curb set yeah. it's like what what are you talking about yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
And there was a script. I mean, they wrote a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there's I, I saw there's somewhere you could just like watch the whole thing online, but then it got taken down and I, I didn't spend enough time seeing if I could still find it. But it's it's definitely floating around out there, I'm sure. A, uh, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. I'm sure someone dig it up. Shame on you. <laughs> I, I I wonder if there was more you know, obviously Curb usually is very loose and, and doesn't have too much of a script, just you know, you gotta hit like one or two lines or whatever in a scene. But yeah. in this episode, like, for example, in the dream sequence, I want was that all scripted because they sort of need sort of each person to sort of give like the, the kiss assy line to Larry. Um, and, you know, that's sort yeah, of I don't pretty... I don't rem- I don't remember what they were told because I just know the process to which I was uh, for your scenes. Yeah. Given outlines. Yeah. So I'm assuming and, and, and look who you have there. Yeah. Like, it's like, here, kiss his ass here. Like, my, I don't think Jerry, with the kumquat and the quail, like, I, <laughs> I think he probably went, cycled through, yeah. like, ten, ten different uh, versions of what that joke was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all, per- they're all perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Like, very, all just very specific to the character. So, good job by them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, okay, so we, uh, we head out of NBC. Larry's really excited. I need to call Jerry. Uh, I was like, you know who I think you should call is Cheryl and let her know you just scored her apart on the Seinfeld reunion. Yeah, I you love know, how Jack I... immediately sees through Larry's scheme. It's incredible. Yeah, he's like, I know what you're up to. It hit me as soon as we walked out that this is your plan to win back Cheryl. Pretty fucking brilliant, if you ask me. Uh, so that's uh, one out of five pretty fucking brilliance <laughs> for Jeff. <laughs> And Larry says, you know, it's going to be a great opportunity. I'll be with her day and night. I'll be directing her. She'll be acting. She'll see me in a whole new light as a working man. And Jeff's like, yeah, no, it's, I'm, I'm like not calling you out. It's a great idea. I just gave you more trivia. Ready? You yeah. want some more trivia? Sure. As the maximum so, amount of trivia, please. You're going to, you're going to, this is, this is a six degree thing. So, so Jeff plays Sean Jimbroni's father on the Goldbergs. Sean played Ron Stoppable in the Kim Possible movie with me. Oh wow! <laughs> Very cool. Pretty crazy. Like Very so. Cool. It, so and then I worked with Jeff uh, back in the day. Yeah, so and I know it, it all does this. Yeah, uh, Alex, I know. Uh, I know Kristen was giving you a hard time about the Kim Possible. Um, and I saw that Todd was also on Criminal Minds. So you know, you could uh, maybe book him for when you guys do that podcast. Mm. Yeah, Vangus. I know. I know you have that in the uh, in the works. Yeah, that's in the. Yeah, that's the next podcast we're doing. After it's in one. production. Yeah, <laughs> it's in development. Um, okay, so um, we're in. I think it's Larry's office, and we got Larry and Jerry on screen together. Well, no, this uh, this is pretty clearly Jerry's office. I think Jerry oh, must Jerry's have an LA office. Because okay. yeah, it's not Larry. And I was kind of wondering where are they meeting. It's not Larry's office. Jerry must have an office in LA. Um, you know, he's obviously usually based in New York, but, um, it, it, what's interesting to me is that there's really no discussion of either here or in the next scene, uh, with Jason Alexander at the restaurant with all the naked women in it. There's no reference to the fact that like last time Larry was trying to meet with, with Jason for something, there was a whole argument about, you know, where are they meeting and what's equidistant and who's office are they meeting at here? All of a sudden Larry's, uh, you know, hot, he'll meet anywhere you want. You want to meet at Jerry's office, meet at Jerry's office. You want to meet at a restaurant with naked women, you know, but there, there's no sort of callback to that at all. Well, yeah, we last time all that he had invested was the possibility of a TV show here. He's trying to win back his ex-wife. Yeah, that's true. So he's a little more flexible. Yeah, yeah, he's willing to work for it. So, yeah. So yeah. Jerry's like, 
why like, why are we doing this? Uh, you know, like, didn't you always say that like reunions are desperate and pathetic, and you would always make that like very judgmental face of yours, where you know you're seeing people who are don't live up to your aesthetic standards, and you criticize and you downgrade them. And Larry's like, "Who me criticize downgrade? What are you talking about?" And like Jerry's just like, I don't know what's going on here. I feel like I'm being sold something and I don't know why. It's like when I'm in a car showroom and the, the dealer is trying to close the sale. And, you know, this just like doesn't really add up to me. And Larry's like, well, it was just like, you know, it would be so nice to be together again and get together. And Larry's just like, well, like you're not a get together guy. And it's like, okay, let's grab dinner sometime. We'll go for a nice dinner. And all Larry can say is, you know, I think he just he falls back on what Cheryl wants is what, you know, everybody just wants it. Why are we depriving them of this amazing thing of seeing everyone together? And, you know, Jerry, Jerry goes very dark here. Um, he compares it to, you know, getting back with your ex-girlfriend and like, you know, how are we going to make it work? You know, it's, you know, 10 years later, you know, does, have you heard of any relationship where that's worked? Actually, I, I, I apologize. Larry's the one that takes it in the dark direction. And he's like, well, how about Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood? <laughs> um, Todd, um, what happened to Natalie Wood? You know? Like, like, uh, well, there's so many. Well, so yeah, I'm asking rumors. if you know the real answer. Well, she, she drowned. Yeah, no, she drowned, and then they reopened it, and apparently Christopher Walken was there, because that comes up. Um, it's um, this uh, Her death is actually referenced in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, my favorite it's a, movie. It's uh, a salacious, yeah, there's a lot of salacious rumors that go around about what was going on there. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah there's that, uh, that scene with Brad Pitt on the boat is supposed to be like a reference to this. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and, and there's rumors that she was dead before she hit the water. Like, there's, there's, right. yeah. Yeah, like, they, they, like, reopened the, uh, the autopsy, like, many, many years later, and they, they, like, updated it from accidental drowning to drowning with, like, other undetermined factors. So, like, but, yeah, at yeah, this it's, point, it's, that's unlikely they're going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. There, well, there's somebody who knows. <laughs> To, to yep, shift things, to segue back to a slightly uh, less morbid conversation, this, this whole like shift, no shift conversation between Larry and Jerry is straight out of Seinfeld. It's like absolutely a delight to watch. And, and I think a funny thing just in general about this Larry-Jerry scene is that, you know, in, in real life, Jerry and Larry might have been, you know, very good friends in the 80s or the 90s. But the Larry David character on Curb, his close friends are Jeff and Richard Lewis and the Funk Man and Leon. And, but like Jerry's a guy who he barely has a relationship with anymore again in the curb universe they you know they haven't even spoken basically in, in seven seasons and and yeah. so to sort of the only that, the only time we see jerry is uh at the opening night of the producers he's yeah, there and he, like, he, he walks out right away because yeah, exactly. how terrible it is yeah so uh, it so it's sort of fun to see them all of a sudden you know get right back into the groove of uh, you know what they were doing you know sitting around a, you know sitting around a table 30 years ago coming up with the original seinfeld yeah just like kibitzing and coming up with material yeah wow yeah, so the bottom line is Jerry wants to know, why is this not going to be lame? And Larry's like, because we'll do it in a way that won't be lame, uh, which I guess is the, uh, the pitch for the season so, of Curb is so, we're going to do, the, we're so gonna do a, a reunion, but in a way that's not lame. We're going to do it in a really yeah. interesting, clever, meta way. So, yeah, yeah. kudos. Um, so, you know, Jerry's like, yeah, I guess, you know, if, if everyone else is in, I guess I'm in too. 
Um, you know, but as you know, you were saying for that uh, George storyline that you pitched earlier, you know who would be great for the part of his ex-wife, mm. Meg Ryan. I just saw her. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's hilarious. And now Larry's like, oh, shit. Like, the whole point of this is to get Cheryl for that part. <laughs> like, there's no, <laughs> what are we even doing here if, like, if all of a sudden it's Meg Ryan instead? Although, you know, Meg Ryan's not bad. You could go after her instead. Oh, yeah. Um, so you're yes. saying Larry, Larry will get Meg Ryan instead. <laughs> yeah, instead of Cheryl. Yeah. She, uh, so she's we, so desperate saying, to get a job in Hollywood that she'll sleep with Larry David. <laughs> we were, we, we, they, they did the premiere of this at the Paramount lot on a big screen. They showed this episode, so it was one of these really wonderful nights because it was such a specific uh, thing that everybody was waiting for. They did a big party to show the reunion special. And I was in the lobby with my wife, and I turned around, and... Uh, and, and a woman, woman was like, you were very funny in the show. And I turned around and it was Meg Ryan. And I was like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> like, like Sally liked my work. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. They're like, you know what? Uh, casting will uh, will sort itself out, whether it's Meg Ryan, whether it's Cheryl. You know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out one way or another. Those are two both good options. Um, okay, <laughs> so we uh, we head to a restaurant called James Beach, and Larry once again meeting with Jason Alexander and tells him all about the ex-wife plotline idea. And Jason's like, you know, I don't really think people are going to believe that somebody who's as jerky, mucky, and unappealing as George ever got married. So like the whole storyline doesn't work. And yep. Larry's like, and again, like they 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 basically do a very similar thing to what they did back in season two when he meets with Jason and Jay, yeah. and Jason basically insults George and Larry's defensive of George, and he's like, I don't understand what's so unappealing about George, <laughs> and you know, and Jason's like, well, you know, he's selfish, he's stupid, he lies. <laughs> and Larry's like, it's like all I hear is funny. Everything you just described sounds very funny. Yeah. And Jason's like, yeah, people are laughing, but it's more like laugh with more laugh out than laugh with, if you ask me. Yeah. Um. What Jason is very excited about, however, is that this will finally be an opportunity to make up for the finale. It yeah. finally, J- Jason definitely Av- on Team Av here. Uh, so, Todd, yeah. we, we had a disagreement a few a few weeks ago. Av is on Jason Alexander's side that the finale of Seinfeld was a disaster and was terrible, and it's something they need to make up for. And I'm on Larry's well, side. I, well, I, I would say I, 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 would, I would split the difference on those two parts of the sentence. I do think it was a terrible disaster. I don't think they were, you know, were entitled to having them made up for it like they yeah. gave us. Many, many, many amazing episodes. Yes. I happen to think the last one sucked. You know, that's yeah. fine. Um, I think this version is, you know, I think this, they do they do end up coming back and giving us, the, you know, the quote ending that finally made, like, an awesome ending. Um, but, yeah. I, I don't yeah, think I don't think you would insult the episode to, J- to, to Larry David's face the way that Jason does, obviously. But, yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> it might not have been my favorite episode, but I thought it was fine. And, um, yeah, I, it was what the, the actual Seinfeld reunion or the, Seinfeld the finale. Yeah. Series finale. finale. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I loved it, but, uh, oh, really? okay. I, I thought it was audacious and, and, and I like a big swing. Yeah. It definitely was a big swing. I, I definitely give them yeah. that. Yeah. And, and my opinion is that the finales of, sh- of shows, of series, especially sitcoms, especially in that era, no matter what, people were going to trash it. I think it had like a no win proposition because people, people well, always want to be upset, that- disappointed. You know what? You're right. That was the era where people trash TV. Yeah, as opposed to now, where online they don't do that anymore. They're so like nobody. Everybody likes everything. It's nice, and they don't share their opinions either. Yeah. So 
That was the air on. We put a lid on it. So we're yeah, done. Laura, we, we've improved since then. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, like, you know, it's not like, you know, one of these finales like, you know, uh, Game of Thrones or a Lost where it's like not only the finale itself made people upset because it, it's more that it like retroactively made people feel like they had invested their time in something fruitless, yeah. uh, you know, which people can, you know, agree to disagree on that. But with, with Seinfeld, like it does like it, the, even the episode right before is still just as good like it's 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 irrelevant to like judging of the series in my opinion it's yes kind the of person like, who hates kind of the bummer. episode more than anyone on earth wouldn't go as far as yeah people do about as you said like lost or game of thrones yeah it's just kind of, of a bummer that's all yeah hmm. um <laughs> so yeah so but like larry's like i don't know like i don't understand what's there to even make up for like <laughs> we already did do a good ending like yeah. what, what are you talking about um and you know, as as um as Jason was talking, Larry's like staring at the space, looking at these like uh, very, I guess, very artsy boob paintings. Which uh, I guess we just want to establish that these exist in this restaurant, so that we will understand what happens with Kramer later. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a weird non sequitur, though. How they don't really notice that. Like, I feel like you walk in that restaurant; that's the first thing you would notice. But you know, they don't really notice until halfway through their meal. Yeah, the, the boobs and, uh-huh. and everything else. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, and you know, Larry just gives us the uh, the update on the lay of the land. You know, Jerry's in. If everyone else is in, sounds like George is in. Uh, you know, I'm meeting with Michael tomorrow. I was supposed to meet with Julia today, but then you know, her daughter had this birthday party, so she canceled. But hopefully, we're going to speak tomorrow. Um, so yeah, so we get like you know the, uh, an update on like the uh, the first act of this uh, heist movie of the you know get the gang together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so finally, the you know the meal's over, the check comes, and Larry's like, "Hey, you know uh, what are you tipping? Let's coordinate the tip. Let's make sure we both put the same thing down." And Jason's like, I- "I'm going to write down what I write down. I don't know what you're talking about." And Larry's like, "How about twelve dollars?" And Jason says, yeah, $12 seems great. You know, that's you should not be ashamed of writing down twelve dollars. That's a great number for the tip here. Um, so you go ahead and do that, and you know it becomes clear that Jason is not sharing the the, uh, the value of his tip, and uh, Larry's on his own. <laughs> so we head over to uh, I guess Julia's house now, or no, he's we're in Larry's house, I think. For the meeting with Julia, pitch- yeah, yeah, he's pitching. Uh, he's pitching Julia, and he suggests for her a plot line where. A little girl asks her to give her doll a haircut, and she does, and then the the girl freaks out because she didn't realize that doll's hair won't grow back. Uh, This, of course, is uh, straight out of season two, episode seven, The Doll of Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Larry does exactly that. And Julia loves this idea. She thinks it's great to have something with Elena around children and seeing uh, how that would go. Uh, But, like, she's really like, let's take a step back. These reunion shows are always tacky. They feel like they're doing it for the wrong reasons, which, of course, they are here. And she's like, is Jerry really into this? And Larry says, yeah, he's chomping at the bit. And they have a a brief interlude where they debate whether the word is chomping or champing. And I was actually surprised by this because I've only heard chomping at the bit. And I looked it up and apparently champing at the bit is the proper original phrase. So I'm like you. Yeah, I say chomping, but I know that it's so like Julia does, but I know that it's actually wrong like Larry. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I learned that today. Maybe yeah. it's like a Berenstain bear thing. Yeah, for sure. But you know what? Maybe like the Berenstain bear thing, I'm sticking with chomping, yeah. even though I know it's supposed to be champing. Because yeah, I'm sticking with chomping. Chom- yeah, I'm sticking with chomping, but I'm not so like self-centered narcissistic that I'm going to insist <laughs> that there must be have been a, a divergence in the uh, fabric of the existence of the universe to explain why I misremember something. Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, that's cool. So I'm going with Berenstain bear effect. Berenstain, yeah, Berenstain bear yeah. is chomping at the bit. Yeah. It's, By the way, the just, just to go back to the last scene, you know, after Jason leaves the restaurant, Larry could have just gone up to the waiter and asked how much he tipped him. You know, he waits till the next day. And th- <laughs> this waiter's motivation is very strange to me because I feel like 
you know, I know like I've heard like um, Charles Barkley, whenever he is getting serviced, he'll always ask the person, what's the greatest tip you've ever gotten? And then whatever they say, he'll top it. And it's sort of the same thing. Like this waiter should be incentivized to tell Larry how much Jason gave or even lie up because he knows the reason he's asking is because Larry's going to go match it. So, you know, this 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 um, this waiter's got some weird motivations because uh, he could have got a, <laughs> a hefty tip there. But, um, yeah. He's, he's always like everyone else in Kirby's against Larry David. So that's his primary motivation. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So Julia's uh, daughter comes. In. So I guess we are in Julia's house. Cause that makes sense. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, and Larry's like, Oh, Hey, how was the birthday party? Oh. And she's like, what birthday party? What are you talking about? And she, yeah, turns out she knows nothing about this. So Larry's, uh, thinks that's very interesting. Hmm. So we head back over to James Beach Restaurant and Larry now meeting with the fourth and final member of the gang, having lunch with the K-Man, tell him that he has some really good ideas for him. Uh, for example, how about, you know, you're in the carpool lane and you have to pick up a hooker in order to use the carpool lane again, season four, episode six. So, you know, basically Larry David saying uh, once and for all again, everything that happened on Seinfeld, that was me. That happened to me. Those were my ideas. Um, I don't know why they called it Seinfeld, but, you know. I guess they just needed a big star. Like <laughs> I have to say, I love like the randomness of the restaurant nudity distracting Michael Richards. It's so funny to me. And then like, you know, how he how he's so distracted that he's unfamiliar with the idea of the reunion. It sort of reminds yeah. me of Kramer's unfamiliar unfamiliarity with the idea of buying the massage chair for the Drake in Seinfeld. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, it's a great well, idea, but I don't know anything about this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Joe Mayo fellow. Oh, it's Joe Mayo. Sorry, not Drake. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Sorry. He's like, I don't know who's this Joe Mayo fellow. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, it's not made up. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, the waiter comes over. You know, he does this whole routine where he's like, you know, scratch your face. If it was over $12. Time of the tie. If it was over 15 You know, th- you know, if it's uh, over 30 lift the pot over your head. And, of course, way over 30 So, um, yeah. So we head over to Staples. It's the night of the big game. And Larry and Jeff are, you know, there to pick up their tickets. And... Um, Larry's like, great news, everyone's in Jeff's like, I have news too, Susie has Lyme disease I guess you saved her life And Larry sees Cheryl walking in with her friends And he, she runs over to tell her You know, he runs over to tell her, you know, the reunion's on And guess what, you're going to be playing George's ex-wife And she is super duper excited uh, Of course, you know, he doesn't mention that Nobody has agreed to this other than him yet But, you know, we'll save that for later in the season And we now come to our uh, second clip of the episode I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. You should have seen the look on her face. I could get over it. Here are your tickets, sir. Thank you. I'll go see a fantastic game, huh? It's all working out. Yeah. Where are these? And the whole team. Are you kidding me? Look at this. This has to be a mistake. You couldn't have given us seats up here. This is a joke. Just a joke. Oh, my God. Can you believe these seats this guy gave us? Look at this. You gotta be kidding. Oh, this is crazy. We could have stayed I, home. I could have ridden the treadmill and watched it on TV and gotten the same effect. Why would he do this? Why would he give it? Did he do it on purpose? I don't know. Should we give him the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I'm not used to giving people the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I don't even know how to condition myself to do it. I thought he had courtside seats. I mean, can, I, can I borrow your So, Todd, uh, was this filmed at an actual uh, Lakers game? Thank you. Yeah. All right, so you got to sit so, uh, courtside for a Lakers game with David Spade. Dude, uh, can I tell you? Sorry, so, we, we were sitting there, and then they would just shuffle people around when they were shooting, and then Kobe 
would actually sit down next to me because it was right there. And then uh, down down the seats from us, it was Jonah Hill and Anthony Cadis just happened to be there. Yeah, like at the Cadis game, goes to like, like all the Lakers games, doesn't he? Or a, a lot of them. He's like Jack. And they look, okay. and of course, because Spade is 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 a, a, a known human, they're like, "Oh, hey, hey, what are you guys doing here?" So, so we're we're like we're actually filming an episode of Curb. I'm like, that's awesome. And then they were like, these shots that you just saw, you know, they got them, and then they would like radio down, like, "Well, we got the shot, and we can't do anything else until." Uh, until the game's over so enjoy the game awesome so i watched the rest of the game i couldn't i you know when i was i I was here's in outer space here's my question and i don't know if you know the answer to this but like david spade doesn't have any speaking lines he's just sort of seen sitting next to you they could have picked anyone in hollywood to be the guy who you know sandy the nbc exec takes to the game to sit next to him How, how did they pick david spade i wonder you know the casting decisions are far uh, beyond my purview, yeah. um, but it was it was a, it was a hoot. Like we, you know, I hung out with David the whole night, and uh, <laughs> and then I think we he's there with me when we do the scene outside uh, after this when he when when Larry calls us out. But yeah, it was I could never go to a Lakers game again because I've been spoiled. I've had the finest seats yeah. <laughs> ever, and uh, yeah. That was pretty crazy. Like I said, uh, they kept putting this guy there who was sort of a seat filler on the other side of me. But then when that guy would leave, uh, it was Kobe's seat. So Kobe would just <laughs> kept sitting down uh, to have water. And I think he sweat on you a couple of times. But it was nice. uh, it was a pretty rare, amazing experience. Yeah, That's pretty cool. That's awesome. And, and, yeah, and, so and, I guess... Yeah, go ahead. I guess Sandy was, uh, you know, maybe a Just Shoot Me reunion was uh, in the cards as well. That's what it was. That's what it was. So Jack Como was like two two uh, people down. You just couldn't see on the frame. I, I do have to tell you, like, to go into, like, the world of the episode, it's absolutely insane that they would give Larry fucking David those tickets. It, it's, like, incomprehensibly insulting. And and I guess the question is, you know, and Larry says, should I give the benefit of the doubt? Like, w- what is, uh, you know, to go into the head of Sandy, what, what is Sandy's motivation here? Why is he doing that? Is it a fuck you to Larry or? I, you know what, it, it could, it, it, it I, having not go that deep into the situation, <laughs> I think it, it was like uh, last minute, maybe uh, like you were saying, Spade had a thing and it's like, oh, okay, well. I promised these to him first. Didn't know if Larry was going to come on that night, X, Y, Z. So uh, I got these. So the next best shoveled tickets, him yeah. up there to be like, to what? All right, I got your tickets to Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> they are technically tickets. Yeah, I mean, it kind of begs the question to begin with why, um, why like Larry David and not Jerry Seinfeld is like the main guy they're targeting to try to get this to happen. Because let me tell you this Jerry Seinfeld's not sitting in the nosebleeds. No. No, no, no. Yeah, and uh, it's the best I could come up with on on short notice. Yeah, so we uh, we we continue. We see Larry's trying to uh, call Sandy, and we see him uh, screening the call here. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, what? He screened my call. How do you screen your call? I saw him on the binoculars. He screened the call. Well, I always thought people were doing that when I called them. This just confirms it. See, he taught me a lesson. I was going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. I almost did. And something said, no, don't. Don't. It's not for you. It's not, it's not my thing. Not my thing. It's not for you. Another waste. Why did we even stay the whole time? I don't even know. Oh, Sandy Goodman. 
Listen, just don't go nuts. All right? I know you want to say something, but don't. I'll don't talk do to you tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Why does Jeff abandon Larry there? That's a terrible move. <laughs> yeah, he'll say later. Do you want a game? Well, you told the head of NBC to go fuck himself? Uh, he sure did. Um, and yeah, Larry gives him the whole rundown with the tickets and the phone screening. But Larry's like, Sandy's out of his mind. He's apoplectic. This behavior is completely unacceptable. Julia's like, you know what else is unacceptable? Uh, what were you doing grilling my daughter about a birthday party and calling me a liar? And Larry's like, well, I didn't really call her a liar. I just said I thought it was interesting that you said you were taking to her birthday party and she didn't know the first thing about a birthday party. Mm. And Julia's like, well, you know what I think is interesting is that I have two daughters and it was the other one. And Jason, Jason chimes in and says, you know, another thing that's interesting, nay, fascinating, I would say, is that you went back to a restaurant to harass some waiter about the amount of my tip. And Larry's like, well, no, you're the crazy one because you wouldn't agree to tip in concert. But Jerry's all Team Jason here. Tip is a solo act. You know, you don't need to consult. I love the, I love the pylon. Yeah. Um... And, you know, then Michael walks in and, you know, Jerry goes on to say, you know, none of this matters because unless you apologize to Sandy Goodman, there's not going to be any reunion show. And it's at this point that Alex, as you said earlier, Michael's like, what reunion show? <laughs> uh, but of course, he's like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Like he's in without any need to be convinced. And Jerry basically uh, sums up the uh, operation here. You got all the principles, but the projects in the toilet because Larry David doesn't want to sit in the loge. Yeah. Now, I got to say, like. You know, this almost reminds me of, you know, like in sports where uh, like we see Aaron Rodgers right now in the Packers, where like the star player has a disagreement with the coach or the front office. And although ostensibly the, the, the coach or the manager of the front office is, is like senior to the player in practice, the player wants what he like the team's going to fire the, the coach before they get rid of the player. And I feel like Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld have enough hand with NBC that Larry David could like take a shit on the lawn of the head of NBC and they'd still air a Seinfeld reunion episode. I find it very hard to believe that Sandy is so powerful that he's like, well, Larry told me to fuck myself. So, you know, screw the network and screw the hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever this is going to generate, you know, <laughs> unless I get a groveling apology. <laughs> it ain't happening. I guess I guess you wouldn't have a sh uh, episode. Yeah. But yeah, Sandy's very, a very powerful guy in Hollywood. Blood. Very powerful guy. Yeah. So pulling up those threads, and I also think uh, it was it, it's it's or, or you know he he's they've obviously been asking them about it for a very long time. Yeah. So uh, so I think finally it's going to be uh, it, it's the fact that they had NBC by the short hairs about this stuff for the longest time. There's a there's a bitterness there. Nobody likes to give up any yardage in their power in in this city. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, okay. So let's see how it works out. So we head back over to uh, Jeff's house. And Jeff's like, I screwed up. I never should have left you alone with Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you got, I agree with Larry. You got, I got, I agree with Jerry. You got to apologize. And Larry's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll apologize. And Jeff's like, well, is it going to be a real apology or is it going to be a grudging, begrudging apology? And Larry's like, well, begrudging, of course. And Jeff's like, no, no, that doesn't work. You have to do a real apology. And Larry agreed, you know, I'll toe the line. I'll find the, you know, the space in between uh, sincere and begrudging. And Jeff's like, I think you're just going to fuck up the apology if you do this. So Larry's like, well, well, you know, then I'll just apologize for the apology. And Jeff's like, no, 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 this doesn't work. You know, and you know what? You know, forget about you. What about Cheryl? Like, if you screw this up, there's no part for Cheryl. That's the thing that finally convinces Larry once again. Um, so Susie comes on in, and you know she's looking for her cell phone, and you know she's about to walk out, and Larry's like, uh, "Hello, you know, no thank 
fuck you. Like, you know, I saved you from here from you. I saved your life. And she's like, you didn't save my life, you fucking idiot. Like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, I did. Like, I did. The, I said Lyme disease and it was Lyme disease. She's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I, you know, I have Lyme disease. Like, I'm, I didn't feel good. Now I feel better. OK, you didn't save my life. OK, fine, Larry, you saved my life. Thank you. Thank you so much, Larry. And now, you know, Larry's now he's uh, he's set off. He's like, you know, you know, you know what happens if you get Lyme disease? Everything goes the kidneys, the joints, the lungs. And Susie's like, well, then you should be very glad that I didn't get it since you're my friend. Right. And Larry's like, you know what? Next time, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to shut my mouth. You know, that little spot you got on your forehead. Don't worry about it. It's definitely not skin cancer. <laughs> I got to say, like, Susie, she went over the, in, uh, in the nanny from hell episode. She went over the top in thanking Larry David for, quote unquote, saving her life when, you know, it, his sponge cakes had broken her fall. And it was very indirect and accidental Larry's role there. Here, where he much more directly addressed her health, she has no appreciation whatsoever. And I'm kind of shocked about that. I feel like, uh, you know, she should have uh, called him immediately. Yeah. You know. yeah. Uh, thank you. Seems appropriate to give the circumstances. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. So we head back over to NBC. And here's our uh, last clip and uh, pretty much the last scene of this episode. I just wanted to apologize if I offended you or insulted you in any way. So this is me apologizing. It's about as sorry as I can get. I guess my question is, is sorry enough. That's it? No good. No good. Too begrudging. Very begrudging. <laughs> Can I apologize for the apology? You know what? I want to put the kibosh on our relationship. Andy has kibosh before. See where this road is going. <laughs> we'll kibosh again. So we're done. We off. Yeah. Good luck to you. I'll be fine. Good luck to your, uh, your network. <laughs> Thank you. Could not find your acid reflux pills, so I got you Tums and Echinacea, oh, got a ginseng. Oh, what's the matter? You sick? I have a stiff neck. I have aches. I have. I, I should have volunteered all that. I'm not well. <laughs> yeah. Any uh, tall grass recently? Oh, in the Hamptons over the weekend. Yes, right. with my kid. Why? No reason. No reason. <laughs> I love this here. This is so good. Yeah. <laughs> Now Larry's going to have two uh, competing uh, dream sequences. It's like Jerry trying to decide between the voice Larry. and staying together with his girlfriend <laughs> in season yes. nine. I'm going to do what you do. <laughs> okay. Oh. Hey, everybody. Let's get back to work. Yep. All right. Pick it up from uh, Kramer's entrance. Yep. Larry, I want you back. Let's go home and make love. That's version one. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, headed to a funeral home. Going over the coffin. Oh, and Todd Stash Stashwick is in the coffin. Yeah. Small, small funeral for a major. Exam. Barry Sonnefeld shot. <laughs> He's weighing his options. Flips a coin. Oh, <laughs> I love this cut here to the car. 
show's back on. Get out of here. Yeah. Unbelievable. I know. What did you do? I talked to Goodman and you know, I straightened it out. You apologized. No. I love the I love the right. you apologize right no, no. <laughs> like he didn't even have no. it he got it he still got his thing yeah, yeah. so I, I, let me ask you I mean so much to talk about that scene the kibosh drop there is that like a nod to Crazy Joe Devola or is that just coincidence that was handed to me I you oh, know okay. I, I I don't think I was uh, I don't think that was the line that I uh, improvised right. I think they uh, they gave me that one but it was an intentional uh, kibosh was an intentional uh, choice there. So that's good. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was written in. Yeah. So yeah, there's occasionally, like I said, you know, there's you do tops and tails, and and they go, okay, as long as you hit this, as long as you hit that, the uh, so all the stuff in the middle, like good luck with your network, we'll be fine. <laughs> like all of that stuff, I think that was just us playing, and then him asking about my symptoms, like yeah, he's gonna ask about your symptoms. Okay, just talk about that. Uh, but I think Kaibosh was sort of part of the the yeah, launch into that into that scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I love. I've never seen an apology where the apologizer explains during the apology that it's the maximum amount me. of sorriness. This is about <laughs> as sorry as I yeah. can get. Although, actually, I should say I was total random. I was watching uh, Chad last night. It's the show where Nassim Pedarad plays like a fourteen-year-old uh, Persian boy. Yep. And um, she actually, or he, the character actually does an apology like that, where he actually does the same thing, where he says, you know, this is as sorry as I can get, so uh, you're either going to have to take it or leave it. So <laughs> maybe, maybe they stole that from you guys. Um, as I've said, I fell off my chair laughing at Larry deciding between the satisfaction of, you know, making the reunion so and getting funny. back together with his wife against the enjoyment of seeing a guy who mildly insulted him die. <laughs> Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, we, we, we talked all episode about how meta this episode is, and the, the season just increases from there. But having that moment where they play the Curb theme song, signal, signal, you know, which normally signals to you Larry's, you know, loses and, like, you know, his all his plans kind of uh, wither away to then, you know, pull back the curtain and say, well, you know, what if, it, what if, and then have it end on, like, more of an optimistic note. It's just, like, such a great pull. It was, yeah, yeah it was, it was just, yeah. The, the the scene where we're where we're where I'm canceling it, that might have been shot on the same day that we had shot the the scene where I'm pitching it to him. I may have had to just rush to the trailer and change shirts and come right back because we were right there. But yeah, it's it, it was a it was hysterical. It was hysterical. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, not not quite the perfect happy ending, however, because the end of that call with Jerry is that he's actually bumped into Meg Ryan and she's in for the reunion to play the part of George's ex-wife. So, um, you know, every, every step forward, two steps back for yeah. uh, this Larry David. Uh, yeah, they just basically change feet into next bucket with the yeah. show, right? Uh, we need funny. a tease for uh, yeah the next episode. So let's let's jump right into our ratings for this episode. episode is you know what i would imagine based on the preseason hype is what we were expecting from episode one of the season and first we had to get the blacks out of the way and then you know and then they overstayed they welcome in larry's life in season six and leaked into season seven and now we finally get the reunion we're promised the episode ends we're absolutely dying to see what we're going to see next the jerry larry stuff is amazing the jerry jason stuff is amazing there's so many subtle nods to seinfeld themes throughout the episode i absolutely love it to me this episode is pretty 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 good uh what about you 
Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, four pretties out of five. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Um, it's not the funniest episode, but it's just it's just more just like the amazement of just like seeing this whole group of people together on screen. And, you know, yeah. and, you know, the the storyline with Larry and like, you know, the back and forth and the ending and like his interactions with Sandy and, you know, almost throwing the whole thing out the window just because, he, you know, feel sliding over the seats is good stuff even though if it doesn't necessarily have you know the over the top laughter we're necessarily accustomed to from some of the best episodes of curb but still like you know the overall episode is like really really good um so yeah four pretties out of five um todd how about you <laughs> you know it, it was the finest episode of curb your enthusiasm there you I go. in the history absolutely yeah that's yeah. what i've heard of the show all right, so um, we're gonna we're gonna pencil you in for uh, the five pretties. Five pretties for, uh, for Todd. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let, let's move on to uh, our come with guy or gal for this episode. I, I, I'm not gonna say Sandy. I have another award for Sandy coming up, uh, but for me, the come with gal has to be Cheryl. She's acting. She's in Larry again. She looks incredible. Uh, you know, a Leon list episode usually sucks, but like Cheryl reminds us why she was Larry's partner for the first six seasons of the show. I absolutely love it. This is, I think, the fifth time that I've given this award to Cheryl. So, um, and and so she's uh, still she's in second place, still short of Jeff's lead in terms of uh, come with gal points. But uh, who's the uh, come with guy or gal for you? Yeah, I'm going to go with Sandy Goodman here mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, as you said, he's really the protagonist. He's the one that sets this whole thing into motion. Without him, there is no Seinfeld reunion. Sure, is Jerry Seinfeld essential to a Seinfeld reunion? Yes. Yeah, you could argue. But so that. is Sandy Goodman. He's the one that makes it happen. He hooks up Larry up with Lakers tickets. Are they the best Lakers tickets? No, but there's Lakers tickets nonetheless. So, yeah, I give it to Sandy Goodman, and the Sandy Goodman guy came on the podcast, so he gets to be the come See. with guy. Yep. See, I can't, I can't argue with anything you just said. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, I'm, in uh, support, I'm in full support of that. Pretty pristine logic, I agree. I would say probably that. I think Sandy's the reason people tuned in. Yeah. <laughs> I promised I had a, uh, another award coming for Sandy, and that is... Uh... fucking asshole of the week so uh you know Susie, very ungrateful for larry saving her life not a fan of that jason you know he's an asshole for trying to make larry look bad in front of a random waiter but sandy goodman is the head of nbc and that's the best he could do for lakers tickets you sir sandy goodman are the fucking asshole of the week <laughs> and and then i cancel the reunion yeah, briefly. Then you can... <laughs> right yeah, yeah. You know, right like like the head of nbc yeah. has never told to go fuck himself yeah They're that's the level of pettiness i expect yeah. from like, larry david and uh yeah who yeah. i feel is, like if you're the head of like one of these studios your main job is to just like take it when like yeah. asshole yeah. celebrities no no sandy help. bruises like a banana yeah, yeah. it's just <laughs> he's soft fruit sandy bruises like a banana like that <laughs> so, so uh, who, who, who's your fucking asshole of the week though because uh you can't give it to sandy because you already gave him yeah no back. i'm giving i'm giving the fucking asshole of the week to jason alexander mm, that's fair. Um, for you know the, everything with the tip and like he as you said he insults the uh seinfeld finale to the writer of the finale's face you don't do that like just like he's <laughs> bringing you into work with him again like you know don't you know don't play up how like everyone was so disappointed by it. yeah listen ah uh, when larry comes on this podcast and um, and you're raving to his face about the a finale of Seinfeld. I'm going to call you out and uh, impeach the witness right on this. On yeah, this. you better uh, <laughs> pull the tape. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's talk quickly about this celebrity cameos we get in this episode. Of course, we get all the core four, but we've actually gotten the big three before. This is Jerry's first speaking role on the show, but as you said, you know he, we saw him briefly before. So we have uh, Michael Richards, Meg Ryan, David Spade. Uh, was Meg Ryan in 2009 bigger than Ted Danson in 2000? 
and the reason I I'm asking so. is, uh, is Todd, we do a thing where we, when, when every guest comes on and plays themselves, we say, were they more or less famous than Ted Danson when Ted Danson appears as himself on the show? That's you the line. Ted Danson as like the threshold level of fame for playing for the yourself. most famous. Yeah. For the most I, it's hard to beat Danson. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was very, very famous, but Meg Ryan was in a bunch of big movies, like a bunch of big. Oh, you don't have to yeah. sell me on Meg Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, know, close, my, it's close. Like I said, I, I was, I was in my twenties in the nineties. So yeah. Yeah. Meg Ryan. And, and I think, I think that's why people yeah. that loves Joe versus the volcano. And you get three times the Ryan in that. Um, but yeah, so I know, you know what I'm going to say? Meg Ryan was more famous than Ted Danson. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think by 2021, Ted Danson's pulled ahead a little bit because you know he's uh, Meg. Yeah, Meg Ryan's peak. You know, a, a, you know, a few years ago, and, and Ted Danson still starred. Well, Meg Ryan, I think. Sitcom. Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan is it, it, at the. She was considered a film star. Yeah. Uh, at the time, and then I think that sadly Hollywood rates you in terms of movie stars and TV stars. There's there like two different camps. Sure. Right. And I think Meg Ryan is primarily considered a tele or a movie star. Yeah. So that already um, that already carries a flex a flex with it. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um yeah, and I would say David Spade, I would guess below the Ted Danson radar. Um but like, Michael I'm Richards probably above. Spade right? on Spade. Yeah, no, don't you um, don't need to. I mean you gotta you got you have to keep the relationship alive for that just shoot me reunion that's coming up anyway. It's, yeah. it's in the can. We just there's a lot of legalities with especially with George <laughs> Siegel. It's just yeah. Yeah, intellectual property is really complicated. It's rough. It's rough. Who else was on that? Wendy Malik, right? Yeah, she was in it on Just Shoot Me. And she was also in Seinfeld, of course. Go. Seinfeld was one of those shows I never got to guest on. I got to L.A., I think, too late. Oh, well, you know, you made up for it by creating a, an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. So. <laughs> Todd, thank you so much for joining us for Thanks a for great that. episode of Curb and a great, great performance by you. You know, you I take uh, all the credit. Yep. It was all you and, and, and Seinfeld and the rest of them, you know, a distant second. In this episode, though, it really was. So, uh, I'm yeah. the driving force. And then for the one after these, I, I just got to be a, sort of a fly on the wall uh, as background wallpaper of NBC execs. But uh, those were pretty special days uh, as an actor. So it was cool. It was all cool. So we really appreciate and, you taking the time I for us. Thank, this was... I want to thank you first for, for having me on. Yeah. Oh, you're so very welcome. Ta- yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Todd, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Thank let you, you so guys much, get Todd. to your mail. All right. Have a Thanks great a lot. day. Take Have care. Have a good night, Todd. Thank you All so right, much. Have a Bye, night. Mate. All right. So that was Todd Stashwick. And this is the Postman. Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! Of course, as always, a reminder, you could send these emails to curbpostman at gmail.com. Or if you're in the uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good WhatsApp chat group, you could just message it to me if you have my uh, name or on Twitter. Or you, you know, there's a lot of ways to find me. Asinensky on Twitter. Um, you know, if you're in that group, you have my number. But yeah, let's get to the postman. So the first uh, email is from Jim Crumley, and he says, not the funniest episode, but a great setup episode. And he gives it four pretties. He says, come with guy is Jerry for trusting Larry. He should go with his own gut. But if he did, there would be no reunion. And Fusk, the fucking asshole, has to be Goodman choosing David Spade over Larry. Sheesh. Um, okay, yeah, good email. Something Next tells email. me he's not going to be long for the head of the network with uh, decision-making like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't just, you know, th- th- I-, I believe the expression throwing out the baby with the bathwater comes to mind. Yes. 
I mean, like you've just like you've been after this Seinfeld reunion for what it sounds like a very long time. And you finally get it and you throw it away because one one of the guys was a jerk to you. Like yeah. it's like, you know, about Larry David, right? You yeah. know about Larry David. Um, so, yeah. All right. Next up is William Blake, who says, my name is Will, and I was walking in some tall grass recently. Hmm. Uh, well, that might be Lyme disease. Well, you should get to check it out. Um, I just saved Will's life. I thought this episode was solid, especially when compared to other episodes that set up the season's conflict story. I agree. This, is, I think, is definitely the best of all of those, like, setup episodes. We've had, like, a bunch of those where it's, like, he finds out about the restaurant, Mel pitches him on the producers, and, like, there's been a lot of, like, early – it's usually been in episode one of the season. Um, here it's episode three, so it's a little different. But, yeah, an absolutely great setup episode. Uh, he agrees the comic guy is Jerry. That's interesting. And, uh, not, we didn't, neither of us really uh, even mentioned Jerry as an honorable mention. But yeah, he is the ultimate come with guy just being like, ah, this sounds like a terrible idea. But if Larry seems into it, I guess I'll go along with it if everyone else says so. I guess that's the definition of a come with guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And Will agrees with me. Fucking asshole is Jason Alexander. He always has to be a bit smug with Larry. I don't get it. Uh, but he gives the episode four and a half pretties out of five. Oh. Um, okay. Uh, third email is from the one, the only Jared Jerome, who says he's not really in the mood to write this email, but it's become duty. So I'll straddle on between doing it sincerely and doing it begrudgingly. Look, this is not a great episode. It's mostly set up for the Seinfeld reunion arc with some baseline level Larry shenanigans to fill the cracks. Jason Alexander bashing the George character, been there. Larry fighting with the television executive, done that. But just having the gang back together, again, warms the cockles of my heart. The scene with Kramer in the nudie restaurant is completely insane, makes no sense, but was the funniest scene of the show for me just because I got to see that dumbfounded K-Man expression. Um, obviously, I had to figure out which Lakers game they went to, so let's do some forensic analysis. Mm. Chester, did you, I assume you did, did you do any of this? this no, is we, couldn't, we couldn't see anything about it, and and I thought uh, Todd might have the answer, but Todd didn't have the answer for us. So let's see yeah, if, all right. if uh, Jared can get the answer for us. Yeah, Jared, uh, Jared did some work here. So the, okay. he says the episode aired on October 4th, 2009, which means it was most likely filmed during the 2008-2009 season. Yeah. It's hard to see who the Lakers are playing. All we get are shots of Sasha Vucic, Paul Gazelle, and Trevor Ariza with audio of a checking in Lamar Odom. All those players were on the champion 0809 Lakers, but who are they playing? As the camera is panning up to Larry and Jeff's nosebleed seats, you can see on the marquee scoreboard, whatever that's called, that the LAL and CHA both have six timeouts left. So luckily for us, it was the Eastern Conference Charlotte Bobcats who were making their lone visit to Staples for the year. This occurred on January 27th, 2009, with, an, with the 18 and 26 Bobcats holding on to upset the 35 and 8 Lakers. Wow. 117 to 110 in double overtime. Wow. Here's the crazy part. Oh, that's a great game. Oh, there's a crazy part coming. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, allegedly, a, a Charlotte Lakers game in 2009 is not a great game at first, but you get a double overtime game. But yeah, what does Jared have coming for us? The last time they showed a Lakers game in season six, episode seven, the Tito guy. Yeah. Larry watched two games and both of those were also overtime games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not that crazy. I mean, it's, 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 it's unlikely, but like, yeah, it's not that interesting. Um, so if Larry and company are going to film a game, the Lakers make sure to accommodate them with an OT classic. But I mean, in the TiVo guy, did he, they, they probably didn't film an actual Lakers game. They probably just used somebody's TiVo. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they, when they, they went to an actual game, obviously, in the Shack Cup, so that was against the Timberwolves, but the Timberwolves won that game also. So anytime Curb goes to a Lakers game, the Lakers lose. 
Yeah, we. I mean, we also should allow for the possibility that the sh- the blown shot of the scoreboard could have been like not from the game that they filmed that. Like they could have realized, oh, we like we didn't pull. Yeah, we should have asked Todd if he, re- you know, he didn't remember offhand. But if we had said, hey, was it a double overtime loss against uh, the the Bobcats? He might have remembered that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we should yeah. have. Uh... Oh, let's call him back. Yeah, yeah. He's making um, dinner for his kid, but let's interrupt that. This is more important. <laughs> yeah, we have a very important question about the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, Seinfeld connection. Jared says none. Asshole of the Wait, week. Is Jared joking? I assume he's joking. Uh, okay, all right. I, I believe he understands yes. the Seinfeld connections. Ah, episode. okay. No, but there's so many references throughout, and I thought he was gonna, you know, give us the laundry list. Oh yeah, that, that would have been nice, if, right? If he like really cleaned yeah. up and picked nah, up we, all we the pieces. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to tag that on the end of next week's email, you should mm-hmm. feel free to go ahead. Um, asshole of the week. No one is particularly horrible this week. And yes, Cheryl's in play, only caring about her own career and willing to use her ex, which she threw to the wolves for to gain acting gigs. But I don't want to seem biased, so I'll go with NBC executive Goodman for giving the creator of Seinfeld nosebleed seats while he screens his call. Since courtside with David Spade, what was he being rewarded for? Old just shoot me episodes? <laughs> then Goodman acts like a baby, first requiring an apology. What grown up insists on an apology in the non curb world and then doesn't accept said apology because it's too begrudging? What is this crap? Just take the apology and end it, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Get one apology and end it. All right. For his come with guy, he says Jeff is always a candidate for come with guy and asshole of the week since he always comes with Larry wherever he wants to go and, always, and also always does assholey things like being super excited about Larry's plan to do the reunion just to get Cheryl back. Yeah, that's not really good uh, managing by Jeff, I would say. Well, I got to support your uh, client. You know, what's yeah, not well, good managing put- is not pulling any strings once you're sitting in those seats. I feel like Jeff should, you know, be making phone calls and, and get moved up. You know, he should call someone at the Lakers. Hey, you got Larry David sitting in the nosebleeds here. Move him down ASAP. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but it's, so I mean, I'm actually I, I yeah. forget who I was talking to once, but I was speaking to somebody once who told me. Who was this? I don't remember, but I, I was talking to somebody who was at a Knicks game. I think it was a Knicks game with somebody of some much, much, much less famous than Larry David. But they had gone to the game without notifying the team. And someone from the team came up to them during the game and said, oh, hey, so-and-so, you know, come with us and took them down to better seats once they discovered they were there. I'm, I'm trying to remember who I heard the story from. So I think, uh, you know, if, uh, if the Lakers found out that Larry David was sitting in the nosebleeds, they would have quickly moved him up. So, but yeah, it doesn't work for yeah, the episode, yeah, obviously. You would think so, yeah. yeah. Um, so he says... He's going to give the come with guy, however, to Jerry for, from. for being Sorry. open to the reunion idea, even though he picked up on the snake oil salesman pitch from Larry. He dealt with Larry's crazy shenanigans and mishaps and even got Meg Ryan to play George's wife, putting a wrench in Cheryl's nepotistic path to becoming a star. Yeah, Jerry's, Jerry's a very good choice for come with guy for this episode. Okay, that's fair. He's okay. Let's say good. Yeah. Before his ranking, he says it's not a special episode, but the nostalgia of the Seinfeld crew, especially Michael Richards making his first appearance on Curb, has me all a Twitter as I ranked it 37th of the 63 episodes so far. And I'll say it was pretty, pretty, pretty good. That's three pretties and two no pretties. A nice, solid episode right in the meaty part of the curve, just the way little Stevie Corbin likes it, as we set up what hopes to be some great Seinfeld-related moments to come. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I pretty much agree with his um, analysis. I guess I'm just like a little bit higher. But yeah, as I said at the time when we were watching it, like that first scene where like he's talking to Cheryl and the camera just like pans out, and you see the core four, and you're just like, oh, like it's like such a, it's like an all-time great TV moment for me. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I have it as a top 20 episode right now. I have it number 18. Yeah. Um, 
So next email is from Zach Brooks, who says, I don't think I'd ever bring binoculars to a sporting event. And if I happen to, I wouldn't let some stranger put their gross eyes all over them. It seems like the binoculars experience at games is really poor. Uh, yeah, Do you remember that as a kid a taking binoculars to games? I never did it. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I've definitely seen people do it. Yeah, I think it's it, it was it was like a standard thing you did when you went to a baseball game in the early 90s. But yeah, I haven't yeah, done I it mean, in 20 years. Yeah, watch the game on TV then. Yeah, like, but also I, I've never seen it done at a at a basketball hockey game, like at an arena. I've only seen it done at stadiums, where it's, which is um, a much bigger. I've seen, yeah, I, it's definitely much more common in arenas and stadiums, but I've seen it in arenas. Yeah, so but I, I think the peak for that was definitely place. like the, the late 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know what, yeah, when were binoculars invented? Yeah, well, I think they were invented before the 20th century, but yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but correctly, as what Larry points out in this episode is, when you bring binoculars to the game, it's never for checking out what's going on on the field. That you can, the field is pretty clear. It's for looking around the stands and trying to find interesting things. And I think yeah. if you, go, if you go, a place to do it would be at a Lakers game because you know that there's always going to be celebrities sitting on the floor. Yeah, so uh, binoculars were invented in uh, 1702. Yeah, so just in time for uh, the, the early, uh, the early uh, Major League Baseball games. Uh, and by the way, I got to think it's actually kind of stressful to be a celebrity uh, sitting at a courtside seat at a Lakers game because you know, first of all, you, you, you might be on screen at any time, but you know that like somebody uh-huh. can be watching. So, you know, you can't pick your nose. You can't, you know, there's a lot of things. You can't scratch your crotch. For yeah, I mean, hours. And, and these days it's like, it's also like every idiot in the stands with a smartphone might just catch be like you anything, filming yeah. you doing anything in life before you know it like all of a sudden like you're trending on twitter because of like you yeah. like picked your nose at the lakers game or something yeah. i will say i did i went to a knicks game once um not courtside but very very close to that and you also when you sit in those seats you also have access to like this little club in the back uh-huh. and you can you sort of go to the club during timeouts and certainly during halftime you know so i guess if you have to uh, do any nose picking or ball scratching you just uh, you go back there and get it done and then come back to your seat so. yeah sure i mean sometimes it's involuntary though yeah true and sometimes you're just scratching the side of your nose. Mm, yeah, no pick. Um, Zach says that Jason Alexander is the fucking asshole of the week. You got to share the tip. Good to see everyone back, but not really that funny of an episode. Three pretties out of five. Yeah, so everyone agrees. Not such a funny episode, but still a good episode. So, uh, yeah, Curb doing something right here. <laughs> um, and last up, we have Olin Allen, who says it's great to see one of the co-stars of my film of 2020 here. David Spade was outstanding in his understated role in the wrong in the wrong Missy. That is, um, I believe the misdirect there was that Todd Stashwick was in The Way Back from from last year as well. Um, not quite so much to do there. Nice getting the gang back together episode and the Lyme disease through line was fun. No hysterically funny bits, but as a, but as a setup episode for the season, it was very solid. Um, he actually just said solid. I added the very just to make it sound better. I don't know why. Um, I don't pretty, want to misquote Olin. Pretty, pretty solid. Pretty solid. Three pretties. Three solids. Three pretty solids. Um, he says Todd Stashik was great as the swarmy, smarmy NBC executive. Superficially nice, but not a real people person. He gives it three pretties out of five. The come with guy is Larry, who says he saves people from Lyme disease woes and aims to deliver a great opportunity for sex. Yeah. This is uh, I think this is one where you can uh, you can go to Larry. Uh, he is particularly uh, noble and facilitates a Seinfeld reunion. Yeah. Uh, fucking asshole of the week. He agrees with me. Jason Alexander, not realizing how wonderful the George character was for him and willing to embarrass Larry by not strategizing their tip. Um, all right. And that is the end of the postman. 
Uh, we also remind you, as always, to rate and review the podcast. There is a link in the show notes, um, or you could go to uh, Apple Podcasts uh, on your own. Give us a five-star rating. Write something nice about us. And that way, more people will hopefully find the podcast and like it just as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Next week, we have the hot towel. Larry burns yes. his hand on an airplane towel. He persuades his doctor to give him his uh, home phone number and will accidentally abuse that trust. Uh, Larry is peeved when his expensive anniversary present to Ted and Mary is outshone by Jeff and Susie, uh, Susie's daughter's gift, which uh, comes from the heart. So uh, we get we bring all this episode. We brought all like, you know, the court for from Seinfeld. The next episode, we go back to sort of like the core characters from uh, from Kurt from Curb, really. Yeah, the the season kind of like starts and stops on the Seinfeld reading. So basically, the next two episodes are not really going going to involve Seinfeld. Episodes four, Hot Towel, and episode five, Denise Handicap. Then in season seven, episode six, we go back to the Seinfeld storyline with the Bear Midriff. Take another break for se- episode seven, The Black Swan, and then the last three episodes, Officer Krupke, The Table Read, and Seinfeld uh, are all very heavy. Seinfeld episodes mm. um, so yeah it's basically half and half we have one two three four five episodes of the season are a Seinfeld plot five episodes of the season are non-Seinfeld plot um, and I actually um, a special treat I took the time uh, since our last episode and I realized that we had never we had been logging your rating for every episode we had been logging my rating for every episode but we had not been logging the audience rating um, and the audience is a very important part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I went back and found every email that anyone sends me um, with a rating for every episode of the season of the series so far. And we put them all together and we have a, uh, a new fancy spreadsheet that I made. I did some Chester work for the uh, Chester. Chester was away last week. So I took over. Uh, he was while well, he was traveling to do some Chester work. And so what, what basically the way it's going to work is for every episode, we have my score, we have Alex's score, we're going to have an audience score, which is going to be the average of everyone who submits an episode, whether you're Olin Allen, who has submitted for every episode, or Michael J. Clark, who has only submitted once, we always welcome um, new listeners to submit feedback and, uh, and, or, and or ratings, and we will uh, average them all together. Um, if we have a guest, that, the guest becomes a four-way partner with uh, me, Alex, and the audience. They get their own score for appearing on the podcast. Uh, sometimes guests don't rate. Sometimes they do. If they do, we average it in. Um, so this week's episode um, gets actually a clean 4.00. Um, I see you just restarted. You don't need to do that because... I, I put in, you see, overall rank, too, so we can we know right away. Um, oh, so, yeah, so, oh, you did that already. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this episode, as we said, got a four from me, a three and a half from Alex, a five from the guest, a three and a half from the audience, uh, which averages out to a 4.00, which mm. makes it the 13th rank episode so far out of 64 episodes. Yeah. Uh, did Jared give 0.2 stars to the bat mitzvah? <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah, and we, yeah listen, it's all... You, you could rate anywhere between zero and five. You could, you know, we 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 usually use full or uh, or half, but you know, yeah. zero point two is acceptable. Sure, but no no going uh, above five or below zero. So. Oh yes, yes, yes. No, th- those are there are rules. We live in a society. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah, and um, the episode, the best episode so far, which probably comes as no surprise, is Crazy Eyes Killer, which has a four point eight one overall grade. Um, so yeah, that's something to keep our eyes on. That's the uh, that's the mark to beat for future episodes of Curb. So yeah, fortunately Jared did not review that one because I think Jared doesn't even like that one that much. He said, yeah, he's not a huge fan of that one. Um, although yeah. Jared said he may send me in uh, 
that retroactive you know, backdated, backdated uh, ratings, <laughs> ratings for okay. uh, for for the episode. So we'll mm. see. Um, yeah, there might be something buggy in this spreadsheet because when you restarted just that, then it uh, the number changed. So I might have screwed something up. Oh, okay. Well, we can um, fix that yeah. on the back end. Yeah. So um, well, I guess maybe for this week we'll just share the show notes. We'll share like a link to something that shows the full rating so far, mm. and then going forward we'll just update on you know. The, the episode of the week. So yeah, and and, and Nelson from Denver and Ashley and, and you know and Bob Savage. I'm looking at a lot of people who uh, have have come and gone with the ranking. So let's uh, let's get some more consistent ranking going on, guys. Yeah, MJC is interesting. Who didn't rate for seven seasons? Came in rated once, mm. hasn't been heard from since. But you yeah. know, that's fine. Write in what you want. Don't write in what you don't want to. This is mm. just a it's a it's a podcast for an episode that for a season that was on ten years ago. So it's fine if you don't send it yeah. in. What happened to our friend um, Bob? Bob was very consistent early. In his Bob was very consistent early. Yeah, he had yeah the first seventeen episodes we got a rating, and then no more Bob. And, and I see Olin missed a porno Gill is the only episode he uh, neglected to rank. Oh yeah, I meant to. Uh, I meant to ask him if he has there? that. Yeah, or it's possible that I like lost email, so maybe he yeah. he has it. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I was missing a bunch from Zach Brooks. I just like texted him like, Hey, do, do we have your rating for like season one, episode three? You know, he's like, yes. I'm like, how about season one, episode six and nine at two point five? I just, I was missing a bunch of his, I don't know. He, maybe he didn't always send an email or he lost them, but yeah, he had them all. He had, he had been tracking them independently. So, um, yeah, everyone should really be tracking their own work. Um, cause you know, if one day someone's like, Hey, for the spreadsheet I compiled, I lost your info. Do you still have it? You'll be able to help them out. So yeah, I think that is everything new. Anything you want to share? Anything anything you want to add? Uh no, I'm excited. We uh have a lot of exciting things coming up in season seven. We get uh we're getting more of the core four. And I think it's gonna be pretty, 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 pretty good.